Faith Fit Radio and the Diocese of Orlando presents Fools for Christ with Kimmy Zeiler and Dan Boyd, a program that is seeking to lead young adults to Christ and to enkindle a deeper faith that is fully alive. Now, here are your hosts. Hi, I'm Dan Boyd. I'm Kimmy Zeiler. St. Ignatius of Loyola said, Out of gratitude and love for him, Jesus Christ, we should desire to be reckoned fools. We're two friends seeking to discover Christ in everything, from the banal to the sublime. And this is Fools Fools for for Christ. Christ. Welcome to today's show, everybody. We're talking about one of the hardest things for really anybody in any religion at any time to wrap their head around, and that is suffering. Mm-hmm. And we're going to start off with some words of wisdom from one of the greatest gifts to the church of the last hundred years, Pope Benedict the Sixteenth. We love him. Um, so this is one of my favorite quotes. I'm going to start off by saying that, and I'm going to pause in the midst of it because he uses a lot of big words in typical Pope Benedict fashion. Yeah. Um, <laughs> he says, Anyone who has stretched his existence so wide that he is simultaneously immersed in God, that's an upwards motion, and in the depths of the God-forsaken creature, and so that's a lateral pull, a lateral stretch, is bound to be torn asunder. As it were, such a one is truly crucified. But this process of being torn apart is identical with love. It is its realization to the extreme and the concrete expression of the breadth it creates. Pope Benedict XVI. So when when I hear that, I I can't help but think of the... I mean, the... The image that comes to mind is Jesus on the cross and his, you could say almost the, like the stretch of his, his, his love and his agony reaching up to heaven, mm. down to the depths of the earth and all across the, the world, uniting all of humanity in his sacrifice and in his love. And in that moment, as I mean, in the words of Pope Benedict, like it's identical. I think we said it's identical with love, mm-hmm. sacrifice and love are one and the same and to me that's the only context in which sacrifice can be fully understood mm-hmm. and you really have a a, sa- a satisfactory answer to the question of why does a good god allow suffering mm-hmm. which i mean going back as as far i mean this is before the time of jesus i would say um to i mean to job yeah like, why does a good god allow suffering um surely he wouldn't do that um, and this, the meaning of this makes the most sense, may, like makes sense only in the crucifixion. Every other answer comes up, at least it can be intellectually sufficient, mm-hmm. but emotionally empty. Yeah. Um, and that's people who are suffering, and especially people who are watching others suffer, and to have loved ones who are suffering, mm-hmm. they like they don't need an intellectually sufficient answer. <laughs> yeah, um, that's not the time. <laughs> they it don't matters. need to rationalize suffering. Yeah. No, they need like they need something that they calms their heart a little bit, um, and I think that's 
I mean, a very simple answer to the, the question of why, like, why does God allow us to suffer um, would be, like, instead, let's look at the crucified Lord who suffers with us. Um, he's not saying you're alone, or he's, he says you're not alone. I am with you. All of the pain and anguish that's imaginable in the human condition, I have known. Um, the, I mean, the father loses a son. The son feels rejected and, and abandoned by the father. Mm -hmm. He's rejected and abandoned by all those who love him. Yeah. Um, for no reason whatsoever. I mean, that like, there's no good reason. It's not as if we're saying like, okay, well, you know, take this medicine. It's going to make you feel bad for a while, but it's going to make you better. Like, mm -hmm. it was not. It was nothing for him. It was entirely for others. Mm -hmm. Um. But it's in that, it's in the midst of that, that the mystery of his suffering that we are redeemed. Yeah. This is a really hard subject right now. Yeah, absolutely. Well, so, I mean, it's a hard subject anytime, but yeah. right now I, I just am thinking about everything going on in the world and seeing all of the physical suffering. Um, just that's going on in the world. And part of that answer makes it seem like we're saying, that's okay, just deal with it. Right. And that's the part where, you know, the hair on your back of your neck starts to stand up and you start to get angry because that's, that's not an appropriate response no, not to suffering. Is, yeah. Um, and so... Let's talk about this. Yeah, yeah. Because no, it, it does. I mean, sometimes it um, it can seem like the, especially people in the church are just saying, "Suck it up and embrace it." Mm -hmm. um, and I don't. I don't think at any point the church says, like, you can't or shouldn't do things to mitigate or diminish suffering. Mm -hmm. I mean, especially like. I'm not talking like fasting on Friday, which is <laughs> like to anybody who's who's gone through the pain of, of serious loss knows like fasting on Friday is not suffering. Yeah. It's, it's penance. It's mortification. It is not suffering. Uh, especially if you live in, in, in a situation where you eat pretty much all you want anytime anyway. Mm -hmm. Um, there's, there are those who are not in that situation and they suffer. Mm -hmm. But when I, like Dan, when Dan Boyd fasts, he does not suffer. <laughs> um, so the, I mean, the like the the seriously ill, those who are in in like unjust situations. The church is not at all saying like this is a situation where you have to be content because Jesus died for you, so you can be okay with that. Mm -hmm. um, that's not at all what we're saying or advocating. And so the like we'll put the disclaimer out there now. Um, this is not to say that we should ever try to justify someone like a, a case of abuse or mm -hmm. a, of neglect or anything serious like that and say, like, just embrace it for like, this is what God's asking you to do. Like nonsense. Yeah. Never. I mean, Jesus went the he, the clearest Jesus ever comes to telling people that they're not going, they're not going to get to go to heaven is because they don't take care of their suffering brothers and sisters. Um, well, it's pretty standard. Yeah. Well, that's all basic Catholic social teaching is that every method, every effort and method should be taken to alleviate suffering. 
right in the world so that's i mean hunger thirst like uh poverty non-physical suffering yeah poverty like emotional so i mean the sick and the imprisoned and those who are abandoned mm-hmm. the those who are persecuted um were asked to to take care of that yeah um so these are it's like two it feels like two things that are wrestling with each other yeah from what we've we just talked about so let's take a step back okay good idea and let's first talk about um the meaning of Jesus' suffering. Yeah. Um, because I think that's a good starting point. And if we we can't jump to the latter part of what we were just talking about without first really probing that and discovering what that really means. Agreed. Um, because then we're just approaching the, the latter part, the second part, without the full understanding of the first. Yeah. And so it does it does us good to look at both. Um, so... Jesus died on a cross. Spoiler alert. <laughs> um, and there is this mentality that we have that somehow God needed, God the Father, needed to see his son suffering in order to save us. As if, like, God was looking down upon the crucifixion, that moment in history. Um, T.S. Eliot calls it the still point of the turning world. That's a beautiful yeah, no, description. Um, that God the Father is looking down on his suffering son and somehow his wrath is appeased. Yeah. And so that, that gives an impression that like a wrathful God is um, forced to appease justice by the actions of the son. Right. It's almost like the, to use a, like a, a kind of a modern example, um, I think sometimes when parents spank their kid or punish their kid, um, it's so that they feel better. Like they're mad and that they want to get their pound of flesh. And so the, it's almost like we imagine that God is mm. that same way. Like, you know, sending a kid off to bed after after belting them a few times and, and thinking like, okay, now, you know, you got what you deserve, so I can be, be fine. And that is not, like, that's that's not the, the father and the prodigal son. Um, and that's not the, the woman who lost the coin. And that's definitely not the shepherd who lost the sheep. Mm-hmm. Um, so we need another paradigm for how, or for why Jesus suffered. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's definitely not to satisfy the the father's bloodlust uh, so to speak <laughs> especially when you put it that way yeah you know like but but that's sometimes we we think we understand it and we don't go to the next conclusion yeah and we don't think it all the way through and so we just settle on what we think is the true understanding but i mean you illustrated it perfectly that's believing in a bloodlusting god yeah and that's that's not God. Yeah. Uh, so how do we believe in a good God and still make sense of what happened at the crucifixion? There's a book called What is Redemption? Uh, and Dr. Han had all of us read it during one of the like theology foundations courses. 
um, it was out of print and he sent it to print for us in our class. Oh, like, wow. <laughs> uh, super excited that Who I own it. it. Um, Philip de Trinitate. Okay. Um, pretty sure he's a priest. Um, I have it on my bookshelf, Dan. I can show it to okay, you later. Gotcha. Um, it's a green book with just the white words. What is redemption? <laughs> Uh, I don't. It's not in print anymore. Okay. Online, I think it's like eighty bucks. Oh wow. I wanted to buy an old, a used copy, um, but I, you can borrow mine. Okay, thanks. Um, <laughs> um, and in this, he talks about this exact dilemma of when we look at God as a vengeful God, we're doing God an injustice because we're not viewing God as good the way that we know He is. And so he talks about vicarious satisfaction instead of a substitutionary satisfaction. So instead of Jesus stepping in for us, the substitute, right. he talks about how it was, G- the, that moment was Jesus loving us enough to freely and willingly suffer the penalty due to another. And it so instead of it being, and this is such a subtle, simple difference. I was just thinking that myself, yeah. Um, instead of Jesus taking the wrath of the Father, and that's substitutionary, substitution. Yeah, I was right. Substitutionary. Um, now he is acting with love giving of himself for another and so now what the father is seeing has changed right right so the father looking down upon the son is no longer looking at the son who is taking upon himself um the wrath yeah of the father or almost like it wasn't the father who was saying like okay time like i'm i'm killing you because I'm mad and someone has to die. Mm-hmm. But instead, it's... It's the father saying, look how much my son loves. And so instead, it's the father's mercy that is the cause of our salvation. It's the love between the father and the son yeah. that brings about our redemption. Um, and that is what ties into scripture. Hosea, I desire mercy, not sacrifice. Right. And so he says, St. Thomas Aquinas, okay, strictly speaking, the cause of Christ's death was not sin at all. The cause of Christ's death was not sin at all, neither his, for he had none, nor ours. So the cause of Christ's death was his love for the Father and for us on the occasion of our sins. That's a... I feel like that's a forgotten part of church, like, of, <laughs> like of, our, of our Christian heritage, of, of uh, the, like, the embrace theology of the church. And not to say, I mean, that's, uh, like, we, without kind of, like, elevating Thomas Aquinas to the, the level of, of dogma. Yeah, um, yeah. So, I mean, it's... Uh, but it, it's easy to forget that that like that line of thought has been in the church probably for as, as far back as, uh, as the church goes all the way to Christ. Mm-hmm. Um, and somehow we've, uh, we've bought the lie that, um, 
you somehow, despite Jesus's best efforts to prove that God was merciful, we still think he's vengeful. And he's only merciful because Jesus happened to give him something that made, that distracted him long enough to forgive us. Yeah. Um, as opposed to like focusing on the, the, the depth and richness of the love of Christ. And again, as, as you said, it is a bit of a subtle distinction. Um, but it's one that is important to make so that we don't do the father the injustice of thinking that he's a vengeful, wrathful God mm-hmm. and instead see this as the, I mean, it's almost like the, like I wonder sometimes, would Jesus not have been, like Jesus would have been crucified in some sense because he was simply rejected for who he was and what he was representing. Mm-hmm. Um, and it was in, in embracing that and in, in being faithful to the mission the father had given him uh, in this, the, like that, the love to us and the Father and the suffering that caused. And that that display of love is the the movement of mercy and salvation, mm. so to speak. Uh, so kind of with this idea in mind, this helps, this informs, one, how we look at our own suffering mm-hmm. um, and how we, how we console others in their suffering or how we speak about the suffering of others. And I think the first thing it rules out is this idea that um, God is punishing us through our suffering. Um, yeah. And also, and to, to be very careful here because of the, the language that Scripture uses at times. Yeah. But that God is in some way, like, testing us to see if we're faithful enough, and he's trying to see if we're going to fail. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, there's no doubt that, um, script, that, that suffering builds... Uh, that suffering like produces great fruit, but it's precisely because of love. And it, this is not God playing uh, like weird backyard scientist with <laughs> creation. Weird backyard like, scientist. Like, okay, how much how much negative stimuli can I give these things before they do something good and heroic? Yeah. But instead, um, like, okay, suffering is a part of life, and it gives us opportunities to sacrifice and, and love, uh, and. I, like I'll say this unabashedly, um, love overwhelms and trumps everything in life. Like the the joy and the Amen. peace and the goodness that is found through love, even in the like the um, let's say the everyday type of love that never gets written about, mm-hmm. is worth the suffering that is a a component part of of loving other people. Because when you love, you make yourself vulnerable, and so. Uh, one of the, the best pieces of advice or the best little lessons that a friend of mine gave me, um, he was probably in his 60s or, or late 50s at the time, and it was when I was first married, and he said, no one has ever hurt me as much as my wife, and I have never hurt anybody as much as I've hurt my mm-hmm. wife emotionally, and it's because of the vulnerability there, and he wasn't mad, he wasn't upset. It was the, where there is there's love, there's vulnerability, and the, and the opportunity for being hurt and therefore the opportunity for sacrifice and greater love. And in my own life, at least, I will not speak to anybody else's experience only because I can't, but speaking from uh, just the life of Daniel Boyd, um, the opportunities that the Lord has given me to sacrifice have been the causes of some of the greatest, if not the greatest joys in my life. Um, And for that I can say, blessed be the name of the Lord. Mm -hmm. And it's, you know, I don't, 
God's not punishing me. He wasn't toughening me up. He wasn't beating me because I was the dog he liked best, as the saying goes. Um, but rather, um, he invited me to love deeply, and that meant that I had to sacrifice. And on the other side of that sacrifice was only love. Mm-hmm. You reminded me of another quote. Um, and this is second only to the first quote I shared. Um so I shared with Daniel before we started doing this that this is what I wrote like all my papers on in grad school, the connection between love and suffering. Because I was so enraptured and attracted to the idea of um, the connection between the two because we never talk about it. And so the, here's another thing the Pope Benedict XVI said, and this is all in his introduction to Christianity book that he wrote um, for college students, which is amazing that we have a book called yeah. Introduction to Christianity <laughs> from a Pope. Um, well, he was a cardinal at the time. Or maybe he wasn't. Maybe he was just a professor at the time. But um, here's a quote. Even the yes to love is a source of suffering. So this is what Dan was talking about. That's why it reminded me. Yeah. Because love always requires expropriations of my eye. So to, to kind of like break down that fancy word expropriations of my eye means a a surrendering of myself to the needs and the goods of others. Um, In which I allow myself to be pruned and wounded. Love simply cannot exist without this painful renunciation of myself for otherwise it becomes pure selfishness and thereby ceases to be love. And this kind of like rolls very uh, like our, our own response to suffering and the resp- how we respond to other people who are suffering really doesn't need to be any different. And that we can we can either choose to uh, to abandon others in their suffering and kind of turn a blind eye and say I don't care, or I mean, the, the whole idea of solidarity to be with them in their in their joys and in their suffering. Um, and it's uh, it means loving others. And it's in those acts of love that we we alleviate the suffering of others. Um, it's the meaning of the word compassion. Yeah. To, to suffer, suffer with. with. Um, and love is what gives that it's uh, could say restores the sweetness to the dry and burdened soul. Hmm. So I guess the there's no there's no good prescription for like what to say. Yeah. To someone. Um, but the prescription is to simply love them. Um, and whatever that looks like at that time. Um, whether that's that's a tangible act or whether it's a being with. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and that's the, that's not a quick 30 second answer to why does God allow suffering (laughs) and what are we supposed to do? Um, but that, that's the answer that we have to have to those who are suffering. And I think that will convince the world. Mm. of the goodness of God, much more than any other rational explanation we could give. Yeah. So, well, with that, we will leave you to contemplate the many various and beautiful ways that you can respond to the Lord's invitation to love by loving others very deeply, including the Lord. So, God bless everyone. Until next time. Bye. Faith Fit Radio and the Diocese of Orlando presented Fools for Christ with Kimmy Zeiler and Dan Boyd. Thank you for listening. Check out the podcast at 
faithfitradio.org and tune in next time. May you be blessed with peace and joy.